Welcome to the CX Fanatics podcast, the show that helps DTC businesses increase revenue, referrals, and retention through exceptional customer experience. Tune in weekly for interviews, insights, and inspiration that will catapult not only your profits, but your growth. I'm your host, Elisa Connor. Let's get into the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. If you missed last week's episode, We dove into three specific reasons why your business must have a subscription model from now to forever. And if you missed that episode, I'm going to go ahead and link that in the show notes and also um, add a card to it up here. I'm not sure which corner it (laughs) appears, but I'll add a a card up in the corner. And um, I would actually start there. So if you haven't listened to that episode, you might want to start there. They don't necessarily go in order, but that's sort of the beginning phase of where this episode is going. So this episode is specifically three additional reasons that you will want to consider a subscription model for your business going forward. And before we dive into the episode, I recorded a podcast episode uh, that's coming out in January. You guys will get that. Um, It's a guest episode, so you guys will get access to that in January. And it was with a former client who added a subscription model to her business for the last six months of this year. And she shared with me the most interesting statistic. And I was just like, hooray for you and hooray, because um, it really backed up what I'm sharing with you all. And so she added her specific uh, statistic was that they didn't do any additional changes in their business except adding a subscription model for the last six months. And they have doubled their revenue without the additional work, without additional marketing, without additional lead generation, just by adding a subscription model to her coaching business. And so I want you to think about what that would look like for you in your business. Can you imagine what it would look like to not have to do, maybe even do half the work that you're doing now and either have the same amount or double the revenue or even um, one and a half times the revenue? What would that mean to your life? Because what it meant to her was that not only did they have an increase in revenue without having to expend additional dollars for lead generation and marketing campaigns and all these other things that we do as business owners, but it also meant that she got her time back. And I know personally, when I have spoken to her um, about what she's been doing, like they took a month off and went to Europe and visited friends and went to, um, I'm trying to remember, Scandinavia somewhere. <laughs> and they, they've done all these really cool things because they have more time. And I think um, my 19 year old said it perfectly this week because there's this big debate in our house about like what, all of my children have birthdays and um, Christmas like right together. So November and December are nutty and they get like all of their years worth of presents in two months. And so there's this huge debate in our house um, with one of my twins. He's like, there's just nothing I want. He goes, what I really want is time. And I was like, but there's no, there's no time machine. I'm like, you and everyone else wants more time. Well, this is the gift you can give yourself and give your business is by adding a subscription model. You can not only get your time back, but if you implement a subscription model effectively, you will have not only um, people continuously in your revenue flow, your revenue stream, but you can then utilize those people to become your referral source. And so um, it keeps people that are your customers 
in the journey with you from the beginning until they are through the process of whatever problem they're trying to solve. And I think a lot of times we look at a subscription model as a quick done sale and we don't really think through like where are the people that I'm working with now, what do they need and then what are they going to need next and planning all of that out to create a subscription model. So I wanted to give you some ideas about um, additional benefits for a subscription model as well as some, some statistics that I pulled up this morning about where subscription models are going not only this year but far into the future and they are becoming not only the norm, but people are really taking a closer look at them, not only as a business, but as a consumer, as a way to um, stretch their dollar and get um, the things that they want without a huge investment. And so one of the ones that came up in that um, statistic uh, report that I read that I thought was so interesting, and I hadn't even thought about this, and I'm not really sure exactly how it works because I didn't go research it in depth, but people are signing up for a subscription models for a car instead of purchasing a car. And so I don't know if that looks like a lease or what exactly that looks like, but I thought that was really interesting because I hadn't thought about subscriptions being that way, but really a car lease is a subscription. It's a 36 month long subscription or longer um, because if you continue to release from the same company, then you have the ability to stay in their funnel for a, an even longer period of time. So I, I'm going to go research that and see exactly what they were talking about. But there are so many subscription models out there that as business owners, we probably haven't even considered them as a subscription model. So I want you to start thinking outside of the box about what that could mean for your business and your business model. So let's dive into the reason we're here. And I have my notes over here. So if I keep looking that way, that's why. Um, so the we're going to start with the first reason on this episode but it's really the fourth reason um, because i'm continuing on from the previous episode but is that you have the ability when you have a subscription model to quickly adapt and improve your product delivery and so what does that mean what that means is that when you have people in your funnel you're going to get feedback from them on a regular basis if you're doing um a good job of gathering feedback. And normally, if you're working with customers, like say in a consulting or a um, coaching realm, you're good at that. Where I see other businesses struggle, that that's more in the product um, business, they don't go and gather feedback. They just try to send out uh, a survey that says, hey, will you review our, review our product? And that's not always the best way to get the most valuable feedback because that could just easily be, yeah, four stars, it was it was okay, but it wasn't everything I wanted. Well, the wise business owner will follow up with that person and say, hey, we noticed you gave us a four-star review. Thank you so much for doing that. We appreciate your review. And we also saw that you weren't completely happy. Would you share a little bit more about that? Like what didn't meet your expectations or why were your expectations met or whatever and kind of following up on that conversation because that could open a door for another product. So maybe your product only solved half of the problem and there's another piece of that um, that you could be solving for that you're not. And so for example, um, this past weekend I was, it was Black Friday um, and I was shopping for new pots and pans. And part of it was because we have these um, nonstick fry pans that are just, a couple of them were good, a couple of them were like, uh, they, everything burned and 
they were just horrible, let's just face it. And so I started looking at, um, there's a couple of brands, one is Callaway and the other one is, um, oh, I can't think of the name of it, he Hexclad, Hexclad. Well, I don't know if you know anything about these pans, but they're like sort of pricey. We'll just go with their, even with Black Friday, like it, it was an investment. And um, so I started looking at all the different options that were available out there. And then we went to my favorite um, non-home location, Costco, and I saw that they had this set of pans that probably are not up to the same um, level as like a Callaway or a Hexclad or something like that. But I also, when I'm making a purchase like that, I have to take into consideration that I have three um, boys that are late teenage, early 20s, and they are not careful with anything. So for me to invest in a, a set of cookware that is, you know, upwards to six to a hundred to a thousand dollars with the people that live in my household is probably not a great plan. So anyway, long story short, we were at Costco and ran across this um, special that they were running on do people say special anymore? I don't know. That's such a thing that my grandma would say. Um, ran across this promotion they were running on, um, they were like green pans or something. But anyway, there are the, the nonstick, they kind of look like porcelain pans. And the whole set, so you, I don't know, you got three fry pans, two saucepans, and a, a whole bunch of stuff plus lids. Um, and the whole set was like, under $200 with their promotion. I, I think it was like 147 or I don't mean 129. I don't even remember. But anyway, I was like, okay, done and done. So, but the thing that I found with those pans and that they were missing and that they could, this could be a follow-up. So this is leading somewhere. This could be a follow-up question for them was that some of the other cookware, specifically Callaway had thought through the customer journey of, okay, now you have all these new pans. How are you going to store them? And how are you going to store them so that they're not taking up an entire cupboard and you don't have to take them in and out and they're not getting scratched. And, and so they had this really cool storage um, mechanism that came with the pans. So they had thought through the journey and then they could even take one step further and think through, okay, so, and I, you know, didn't go through their funnel because I didn't purchase their pans, but perhaps they've thought through this, but you know, what's the next step? Like, okay, here's five things to cook with your first, you know, first things to cook with your saucepan, buy things to cook with your big fry pan or whatever it might be and walking them through the journey and then figuring out what they need next. Like who could they partner with? Could it be a subscription food service? Could it be um, a cleaning, you know, um, product to clean the pan so that they don't get scratched or, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what that would look like, but that was something that was missing from this purchase that I made from Costco. And so that could easily be a follow-up product that they could have had something in the box and said, Hey, you have all your new pans. We also have the storage offer, but we didn't offer it at Costco. We know you bought your stuff there, whatever, you know, whatever they wanted to do, but that would have been a nice inclusion that keeps people in the funnel. And so when you're thinking about your business and if you're like me, you'll be walking around thinking about this probably more often than you need to as you're going through the world going, oh yeah, that's a subscription model. I didn't even think about that. Um, another one that comes to mind is a car wash. Like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of the car washes, which makes total sense, are starting to offer a monthly subscription. 
And what that does is that it enables them to adapt to what people um, are, are needing. So they have different levels, like you can do one where you just drive through, they have one that has drive through and vacuuming, they have one that's drive through, get a free wax, you know, all the different things. But it keeps people in the model and it also allows you to keep conversation going with your clients that are already in purchasing from you and in your funnel to create new offers, new products, and the next thing that they need. And that's where people get stuck because they're not creating that next thing. They're not creating, they're just like one and done, get more leads, one and done, get more leads, one and done, get more leads. That's just a vicious cycle. Not only is it expensive, but it's exhausting because you're constantly spending all this time in whether it's in the back of your brain or in your actual daily life chasing leads. Wouldn't it be easier to spend that energy focused on the new on the clients you have and then just naturally attract more people because you have a longer term offer and people are staying in your funnel longer so you're not so desperate to always have people coming in as new leads. So something to think about. Um, it also empowers you when you have a subscription model to quickly adapt and make changes and not make changes based on guesswork. Like, oh, I think people would want this because you have actual conversations and back and forth dialogue with customers that have told you, no, we're missing this or we're missing that or whatever it might be. And so it makes you um, more sure and clear about what people want so that you can more quickly pivot the market and um, either add new offers or make a change to the offer you have or whatever that looks like for your business model. And you're not just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that the next thing that you throw out there works because that's where you spend a lot of money on research development and um, focus groups and all of that stuff. But if those people aren't already customers or involved with your brand, you're not gonna get actual feedback from people that have already invested with you and built trust with you. And that's the most valuable feedback you can get. Next is you also have the ability to try new offers and pricing and different things like that um, with customers because you can present it to them as a benefit to being a customer. So I see this a lot with coaching and um, consulting clients and we've, we've done this where we've implemented it for them where they'll be um, providing, let's, let's just use an example. So um, for example, when I had my online course and I was doing consulting with people, a lot of times what would come up is I know I need to be sending emails, but I don't know what to say. I don't know um, how to get people to open them. I don't have time to write them. I don't, you know, all of these different things that come up with writing emails. Well, we would go through and we'd build a sales funnel and we'd build um, their website and we'd go through their product offer and create the strategy around all of the things. But then they'd have this huge hiccup around email. And they're like, I'll just send one and then I never send any more. And then, you know, people don't want to hear from me and they're unsubscribing like crazy and all of these different things. And so the solution to that was not only creating an email course for people to go through and understand all of the different ty types of email that you need to be sending, and there are a lot, um, but also the ability to come into online sessions where they would bring their email and then I would go through it and say, okay, swap this, switch this, think about this, and get feed 
real life feedback that they could go plug in, try, do some measurement around it and see compare before and after and see results so that they were like, oh my gosh, that's, this is amazing. Okay, let's do the next thing. And so keeping them engaged because there were so many different email series that needed to go um, out to their customers. And even, you know, if you're running a promotion for a new product or a current product, what do those emails look like? Where are people falling off? And, and a lot of times, you know, as a business owner or even a, a department, if you're running a department for a business, you don't necessarily have the time to go back and, and evaluate, okay, why is this working? Why is this not working? Let's go ask people. Let's have a, a second set of eyeballs on this. But it gave my clients the ability and um, the comfortability, comfort, comfortability um, to come back to me after I had worked with them to work on this specific problem. And there have been other problems that I have solved um, with additional, you know, online group coaching or um, coaching offers that extended beyond the original contract. And so I just want you to think about what that would look like for you and how you could test that out. And so where I was going with that is that before I rolled that out, I created a founding members program with people that have worked with me only. And what that enabled me to do was iron out a lot of wrinkles, figure out the pricing, figure out the actual time for implementation. Because a lot of times in our mind, we're like, oh, this should just take, you know, a couple hours. And it's not like you'll start looking through an email um, or editing emails for people. And the next thing you know, three hours have gone by and everybody's having a great time. But then you're like, okay, well, that ate up three hours of my day. And I really hadn't planned on that. I had planned on an hour. And so you can iron out a lot of those wrinkles before you do a mass launch or you um, provide the service to people that are, are not currently customers or additional customers. And a lot of times what you can do when you roll that out as a founding members program is offer it at a price that just covers your time and limit the number of people that come into that program. And then you get to ask your audience, okay, what would you have paid for this? Like if this were in more often than not, if you're delivering 10 times the value, which is what I always recommend, recommend my clients do, they're going to say, they're going to give you a number that's 10 times what they paid. So if they, you charge them a hundred dollars, they're going to say, I would have easily paid a thousand dollars for this because of the value. And I mean, that's your job of implementation, but, and um, follow-up as well. But you know, if, they're getting 10 times the value, they are more than willing to pay 10 times the amount that they paid. And so it's a way for you to test a lot of things and get a lot of questions answered and to iron out your wrinkles before you launch it to the rest of your audience or the rest of your um, customer base or new customers or however you're wanting to expand that in your business model. So um, the other example, I had an example in here um, that I came up with that most of you are going to be familiar with is Peloton. And so Peloton, when they came onto the market, their big thing was cycles. Like they, you get the cycle, you pay for it, and then you get um, the subscription to get all the classes. And their focus really changed after like 2021 when nobody was buying bikes anymore. So of course everybody went hog wild because they couldn't go to the gym. They're buying the Peloton um, tread, they're buying the bike. And 
I never bought into the bike. I was like, I've done cycle classes for years, probably 10 years. Um, and I was like, but I would really like the classes. And so what I thought was really interesting with Peloton was that if you bought the bike, which I understand like the financial model, but the consumer perspective of this model was like, that sucks. So if you bought the bike, I don't know what it is now because I don't have the bike, but if you bought the bike, so you not only spent $2,000 on this bike and yeah, you could do the payments or whatever, but then your, your monthly subscription was like $45 a month. Well, if you don't have the bike and you just have the subscription to Peloton, like right now, it's like $12.99 a month for me. And I get access to everything that the Peloton bike people have. So to me, there's a disparity there. And I don't know if they've rectified that or not, but I'm like, uh, hello, Peloton, you better do that. But regardless, what the um, statistic I found for Peloton is that when they moved from the focus of selling their equipment to the focus of subscription, they have now over 3 million subscribers. So obviously other people have figured this out because they're subscribing and it is a great app. Like if you haven't checked it out, highly recommend it. They not only have like cycle and tread classes, they have weightlifting, they have yoga, they have, um, you can do it while you're outside walking, they have outdoor activities. So anyway, shameless plug for Peloton, they're not sponsoring their podcast, but um, it's a great subscription. But anyway, they have over 3 million subscribers and their subscription revenue is $1.67 billion per year. And their revenue represents over half of their total revenue. And I would imagine that that revenue is going to continue to grow because they're putting less focus on the equipment. And I think um, people really get a lot out of the app. And so they're realizing they don't necessarily need the Peloton equipment, that what they really enjoy are the instructors, the classes, and having access to it 24 hours a day. And so that just proves that subscription models are not only lucrative, but that if you have 3 million people that are subscribed, you're, the world is craving those subscriptions. And I didn't look up the stats for Netflix and Disney TV and all of those different things, but I would imagine they have even more people that are subscribers. And so that's why I say having a subscription model is not optional. It's gonna become something that people just expect and they are already expecting. So that's number one. Number two is, um, when you have a subscription model, it's much easier to manage your inventory and also have more accurate forecasting for your products and services. And so what does that mean in a service-based business? Because in a product business, that's pretty easy to say, okay, well, we can forecast we're going to sell 3 million bottles of wine in 2024. And so we need to plan that out um, or, you know, whatever that looks like. But when you have a product, it's actual physical product. And so that has some benefits, but it also has some um, negative connotations as well. Because if you over forecast and you have all this product sitting here, then you're stuck with it and you have to discount it and you're trying to get rid of it. And so I spoke with um, a general manager of a winery recently and he said, you know, I asked him about this. I said, okay, so what happens to the wine if you don't sell it? And he said, well, first we go to the wine club and we try to get them to buy it by discounting the price. And he's like, really what we run into is the white wine doesn't store as long or um, retain its flavor. So we either have to sell it at a deep discount to current subscribers, or we have to hire a outside 
source <laughs> to do that for us, which is really expensive, or we have to eat it. And that sucks even worse. And so wouldn't it be nice to have a subscription model where your subscribers already counted on like, okay, they're going to run a sale for us in November in December because it's holiday season. That's how you put it out there. But really it's a matter of like, okay, we've over forecasted our white wine selection, or we, you know, we had leftovers from last year before we started listening to our subscribers about what they wanted. And so we're running a subscriber only sale and you, you could run it as a friends and family sale or whatever you wanted to do. But it empowers you to go to your audience and say, okay, when's the best time for this? Is it Easter? Is it Thanksgiving? Is it Christmas? You know, like when and getting feedback from them before you create that promotion. And so it also enables you to go to them and say, okay, so what wine are you drinking more of? And why are you drinking more of that? And what, you know, what are your friends drinking? And are you decreasing your um, wine consumption? If so, why? Um, and a lot of times, like something that I would say wineries are not necessarily doing a good job of is tailoring their education and their information to younger generations. And I'll say that because I have a 19 year old who we were at um, Costco the other day and there's all this alcohol at Costco now, like in Colorado, that's a new thing. And we were looking at wine and he goes, I have no idea what kind of wine to buy or what all these wine bottles, they all look the same to me. And I was like, okay, well, so I was giving him just some basic education about, normally you have white wine with poultry and fish and maybe like light colored pasta, like that's normally how it goes. But if you like white wine and you don't like red, you can drink it whenever you want. And then I said, with red, you're gonna wanna serve that with beef and more hearty dishes and um, like red colored pastas and things that are more rich in flavor. And um, and so anyway, but he's like, nobody talks about this mom. And I was like, okay, well that's really interesting because I see a lot of the wineries doing the, having those discussions, but they're not doing it in a way or in a place that is attracting younger audiences. And then they're wondering why younger people aren't buying wine. Well, you got to talk to your people. And a lot of those younger people are the kids of people that are buying wine. And so thinking through that and asking them, okay, well, what, you know, how would we attract your young, um, your younger generation people into our funnel and that sort of stuff. That's another way to forecast and um, get product development ideas and marketing ideas. Um, so the other, um, I have my notes over here. The other piece of this is when you can better manage your inventory and have more accurate forecasting is that you don't run the risk of not being able to meet future demands. And so an example of this is, um, I'm pretty plugged into the craft industry. I specifically paper crafting. And I've seen this happen twice in two months where um, there's a lady I follow. She does a great job of social media and building her audience and all of these different things. She does a horrible job of forecasting. And um, I don't know the timeline for production for the products that she's putting out there, but she, for the first product, which, you know, it, it's a foil machine. It doesn't, if you're not into crafting, it's not going to matter, but she ordered like 60,000 of them. And I understand like from a perspective of you don't want to order too many and be stuck with them, but she could have done like some 
easy surveying or communication with her audience. She has a huge audience and got a much better forecasting prediction than guesswork. And right now she's doing guesswork and she's done this twice in the, and the downfall of this is that she's done this twice where she's ordered two new products and they've sold out in two hours. The downfall of that is that you not only have potential customers that are disappointed, but you have customers that are now seeking out the same product somewhere else um, or a product, product that's similar. They're not going to wait. And they're now disgruntled with your brand because their perspective is you don't care enough to figure out how many of us there are and you keep launching these products and there's not enough for everyone. And so I'm going to go find someone else. And so we don't want that to happen with our um, audience and our customers, because if we do, they won't be customers anymore. They're going to go find someone else to buy from. And so when you have a more accurate picture or you can gather the data and get a more accurate picture, you're one, not stuck with things, but two, you have the ability to meet the demand that you are um, creating with your audience building and that your customers want. And so when you have a subscription model, you can not only put some of that feeler out there to people that are already customers and not necessarily on social media, but um, get a feel for the people that are in there. And then the other benefit of that is that you can give them first access. And so rather than giving first access to her um, friends who are influencers in the space, yes, you can do that. But wouldn't it be nice if you were in this specific group of subscribers who are already paying to be part of your, your group and your membership and giving them early access so that they can go out and start creating things and building in excitement and enticement about it and let them be your test group. And so, and maybe even give it to them at a discount or include some bonuses or whatever you wanna do. And that could be very easy. It doesn't have to necessarily be product bonuses. It could be um, additional class bonuses or um, anything that would go along with that product that you would normally offer within the subscription that you're offering. So that is number two. So let's move on to the final reason, maybe not the final, the final one for this episode for starting a subscription model for your business. And that is, this is probably the most important piece. And that's the main reason that every business should have a subscription model is that it helps you diversify your revenue, your income and your profits. So if you only have one mainstream of revenue for your business, and that is say, um, selling products one time, you're going to constantly be in that model of eat what you kill. Like there's no other way to say it. Like you're going to constantly be in the model where you're chasing new leads, chasing new leads, sell to them or not chase new leads, sell to them or not. And you never take it further than step one of the journey. And that is leaving not only so much potential and opportunity on the table, but you've already won the biggest battle, which is getting them through the door. So if you have customers that have already said yes, and they're um, happy with your product or service and the way that you're serving them, why would you not give them the opportunity to move forward with another offer or service? And many people don't, they just stop right there and then they go and they try to find new leads. And so when you diversify your business model, and empower your business with a additional revenue revenue stream of a subscription, you're really um, not only creating an opportunity for your business to grow, but you're creating an opportunity to continue building the relationship with those customers who have already said yes. 
And so when you have a subscription model, um, a lot of times people look at it as it has to be one or the other. You're gonna sell a product or you're gonna sell a subscription. Well, I wanna challenge you to think about how do you marry those two together to create a complete business model? And so let's look at an example. I always think examples are a great way to look at this. And a lot of times we, um, will be part of a subscription model and we have a negative connotation about it because we didn't have a good experience. And that's another episode for another day about how to, to fix subscription models. But if we're looking at just the reason to um, either have a subscription model in our business or um, expand on that model, um, let's focus on that today. And so rather than having those be separate, like this one is a subscription model, this is a product or this, you know, an, an initial sale that just ends right there is how do you marry and complement those to increase both sides of the revenue? And so if we're looking at an example, um, I always think that coaching and consulting is, is a great way to look at this. So you may have somebody come in through the door um, in my own business, for example, a lot of times people will come to me and they're like, oh, I need more leads. And really what they're saying is that I don't have enough sales coming in through the door and enough revenue being um, generated from the people that are coming through the door so that I, I need to sell more of whatever this is. And so um, an example would be if, if I work with a lot of coaches. So I have a coach that comes in and they're like, I wanna sell more coaching packages. Well, rather than focusing on just selling coaching packages, go back and look at your clients who are likely still struggling with some other component of the process. Um, so if you're doing, um, I'm trying to think of like a, a career coach. I have a career coach as a, she's just coming to mind. And if people are coming to her and they're like, I hate my job, I want a different job. And then um, she helps them to work on their LinkedIn profile, get their resume up to speed and start applying for jobs. Well, the biggest component that is missing from that entire scenario is their network. And so when you hire a coach, it's because normally they're going to push you to do things that you don't want to do. And so if she had a subscription model component that went with like, here's all the things you need to set up first. This is your initial investment, your initial piece of the pie. But then we have this group that meets or I can meet with you individually, different price points, different subscriptions every other week. And we can talk about the things that are holding you up from growing your network so you can get the new information that we created over here, your LinkedIn profile, your resume, your um, skill sets, your um, certifications, whatever that is, in front of these eyeballs over here, this network that you're trying to grow and how to effectively grow it and not reach out to people and feel like uh, the this, this slimy salesperson or to try and surpass that like initial, um, not only fear, but trepidation from the person receiving your requests. Like how do you get your foot in the door with the people that you need to so that they can connect you to the job that you want? And that takes time. Like that's not just a one and done and it's gonna take, you know, maybe maybe three months, maybe it takes, and if, if I was a career coach, I would know exactly how long it took for my clients to get to that point. And I would figure out a model. Well, once they get in the door, okay, so the next thing is, how do I interview effectively? And maybe that's simultaneous, like growing your, your model, your um, network is simultaneous with interview process. Well, then what happens after that is like, okay, how do you become acclimated in that position? 
how do you know you have the skills or if you just flubbed a little bit on the skills, how do you bring yourself up to speed quickly so that you become a thought leader in that position so that you can get on to your next position within that organization or continuing to build your network to get to another organization. And so this can go on and on and on and on and on. And it's just a matter of how do you create that process for your business, your clients, your product, your service. So if we're looking a lot of times um, when you're trying to think outside the box, especially for a product um, subscription, you may just think, okay, well, it's just the product. But a lot of times when we think outside the box, uh, often when somebody buys a product, they need additional support or information or education or something to go with that. And um, so an example, um, and they've done a fairly good job of this, but I just got a um, Blackstone grill for Christmas. And if you don't know what it is, it's kind of like a giant flat top that's a grill. And so um, they've done a really great job of following up with emails and such like about your initial purchase. But I would say even more so, it'd be like one of the things that could go along with this and maybe not as a subscription, but that could be um, an idea is like, okay, you need a video of like how to put this thing together because it's complicated. There's a lot of little screws and like it, it can be overwhelming. And so like that could be a, a value add, but then it's like, okay, so what else, what other problems are people gonna run into? Okay, how do you clean this thing? Um, and then along with that subscription, you like not only have like how to clean it, but by the way, we put together this kit that is gonna help you keep your Blackstone in pristine condition and you're gonna go through it like every three months, you're gonna go through all the cleaner if you're doing it the way you're supposed to. So we have a subscription model for people that have purchased from us to get this cleaning kit or the newest accessories or the you know, um, nonstick cookware. I talked about my new pants. Well, guess what? You can't use metal on nonstick cookware because it scratches it, it ruins it. And so what are things that could go along with that? Well, we have this new um, nonstick accessory pack plus a cookbook or, you know, whatever. You can go on and on and on. Or we have online courses to go with our cookware that are 30-minute meals for a month, whatever it might be. But it's thinking through that process of, okay, they're using the product. And if it's not a consumable product, because there's a lot of consumable products out there too that this would work with, is, um, you know, what else would they need? And if you can't offer that in a subscription model, how can you bring in an affiliate partner that you could partner with and create a subscription model together? And so one of the ones I came up with in a previous episode, in case you missed it, was if you own a heating and air conditioning company and you could have a subscription model for um, furnace and air conditioning cleaning and maintenance. And the subscription piece of that is that not only will our company come out and clean your furnace in the fall and your air conditioner in the late spring, but we're gonna provide you your furnace filters, a video every month, um, and it's a, a yearly subscription. You, you, know, you get billed every quarter and you don't have to worry about these things. And not only are you gonna get like the cleaning and the filters and all this stuff, but you're also gonna get a reminder from us when it's time for you to do your, um, filter change and you're gonna get a little video that shows you how to do it in case you forgot. And so there's ways to think through the subscription model for your business so that you can increase um, revenue 
Um, and so the other piece of that is that because you have diversified your product offering, it also gives you a little bit of um, flexibility and also protection against market fluctuations and things that might change like a COVID, for example. So if you were a business and you just counted on people coming in through the door all the time and you didn't have a subscription model, you could be in a world of hurt. And um, I'm just thinking about like businesses that have storefronts, for example, and how many of those businesses um, had to close. And a lot of those are in the, in the food and um, beverage industry. Like they really struggled, but if you could have, so one that comes to mind is there is a, I don't really, they, it's kind of an interesting business, but they provide fruit and vegetables to consumers, even though their main business, and this is a great way to diversify too, but they could take it another step. Um, their, mo their main uh, revenue source is providing fruit and produce to restaurants and food establishments, but they had extra. So they started this kind of offshoot for consumers. And most of their business um, is like for that piece of it is run on Facebook. They have a Facebook group, they post what's available. Um, they do have a delivery service now, but what would take it one step further is getting people to subscribe. Like here's your choices. You can subscribe for the month, for the quarter or for the year. And you get a, a discount depending on what you choose and maybe you get some extra benefits. Like in December, when the fruit is crappy, you're gonna get extra oranges because we have them, we get them, we ship them in for our restaurant customers. And so we're gonna make sure we have extra that we can give to our subscribers. And so just kind of looking outside the box and thinking about how you can make that work can also protect you when things like COVID happen and you can't deliver your regular revenue stream because all the restaurants are closed. And I'm not saying that, you know, that would happen again. We didn't expect COVID to happen. So when you're buffering yourself from those um, conditions, market, financial, or world um, condition like COVID, then you are putting yourself in a, a place to continue growing not only revenue and profit, but staying in business. So um, that is this week's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope that these additional three re reasons have given you um, some things to think about as far as adding subscription model or improving your subscription model in your business. And if you have not listened to or watched the first episode, I'm going to link it again in the show notes. I'd love to know from you in the in the comments, you know, what, where are you at with a subscription model? Are you, you know, in the beginning phases, don't have one, no, just enough to be dangerous or are, is yours broken and you need to work on it? Um, no shame, just curious where everybody is. So leave it in the comments below. If this episode has been helpful for you, I would love for you to share it uh, with a friend because they may find value in it as well. And in the meantime, I look forward to seeing you next week to talk about another subject. So take care, be well, and I'll see you soon. Did you miss something in the show today? Didn't have time to take notes listening on the go? No worry, I've taken notes for you. You can head on over to dtcgrowthclub.com forward slash podcast, and there'll be links and a description to today's episode. In the meantime, take care, stay well, and I'll see you soon.